Okay, so I guess today we're talking Moneyball. Yes, Tim, we are. How very exciting. Well, you know what? It's so weird. It took me so many years to actually finally sit down and watch the movie. But honestly, this speaks to my soul as a data engineer. You asked me to find a data engineering movie? Here it is. Wow, that's amazing, Tim. Interestingly enough, I kept hearing about this movie and thinking, oh my God, how boring could this movie be? And like, didn't watch it until literally a couple weeks ago. And I was like, wow, this is a great movie. Why did I never see it before? Exactly. However, I never thought of it as a data engineering movie in the least. Well, I'm going to explain why. So my name's Tim. I'm a data engineer and an eternal optimist. Hi, I'm Matthew. I'm a data scientist. And when I'm not a theorist, I am a cynic. And this is... Kill all humans. Okay, so maybe we should start as we usually do with a quick recap of the movie. I don't know. Do you want to go this time with the recap? Absolutely. So this movie is about Billy Bean and the Oakland A's attempt to build a team after some devastating losses of some powerful players. The Oakland A's are not, at this period of time, nor really ever, one of baseball's strongest franchises. And Billy has a lot of work to do in order to uh, rebuild his team after some major defections. He goes to the Cleveland Indians to make a trade, and there he runs into Peter Brand. Peter Brand. Peter Brand. So he goes to the Oakland Indians, and he meets um, an analyst by the name of Peter Brand. And Peter Brand has a totally different take on how one should be scouting players. His idea starts with the idea that you should be scouting for wins as a team, not runs. And this represents a kind of fundamental shift in the way um, we think about baseball players, particularly in the major leagues. And so they implement their changes and they actually end up tied for the season at the very end. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a student of baseball history, you already know this. Uh, but they end up tied at the end uh, uh, for the league championship. I mean, to be fair, uh, from a team that was expected solidly to finish last pace, it was a remarkable achievement. Yeah, and, and I alluded to like in the beginning, it's a data engineer movie, but this has this is a little bit of everything. So it's got something for the baseball fans and something for the data professionals alike, right? Which is what you want in a good movie, both for the fans and the data professionals. Otherwise, why would you even be interested? Um, Absolutely. So I think for me, two things stood out about this movie from a data perspective, right? Right from the get-go, uh, you had a fundamental, fundamental thing in data, which is, are we asking the right question? And I think that, to me, is one of the fundamental themes of the movie is that what question are we supposed to be answering? So in the very beginning of the movie, you see him sitting with all the scouts, uh, Billy Bean sitting with all the scouts, uh, saying, oh, we got to replace this person. They're talking about all these uh, gut and instinct and all these other opinions that they have on players. But the but Billy Bean caught on very quickly that we shouldn't be trying to replace a player with the same kind of player that's answering the wrong question. The reality is we should be trying to answer the right question, which is not how do we replace players, it's how do we win at baseball, which could be a completely different scenario. It's framing the question not around replacing players or like the way baseball used to work, which is you have to come up with the perfect roster. Well, in a way, that was the question, but the question wasn't how do you as you said in the beginning, get 
numbers of runs or get each player to do their particular job. It's how do you win at baseball, which kind of just threw out the rule book and said, okay, this is the question we're trying to answer in data. And I think that's one of the fundamental things data professionals, if they weren't reminded that then they do need to be reminded because we can, we get ourselves bogged down so often in, um, well, trying to understand this or this, or replace that or do this or that, but are we answering the right question? Well, that's the same question I get asked all the time, and it's it's a question that data scientists don't ask nearly often enough. I mean, are we asking the right question is really important, and the right question isn't necessarily the most accurate model or the right technique. It's how do we solve the problem? And, you know, you and I both work in a bank, and so we have business problems to solve. We go to the line of business, and we have to address their problems, and you can have the best model in the world or the best data pipeline in the world, but if you get solved the wrong problem, which I think is largely about what this movie is about, uh, then I then I think you've got a real you've you've got a real issue on your hands. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think uh, so. I think as a data professional, that that's one thing that sung to me. But I said earlier in this discussion that this to me is a data engineering movie as much as data analytics. So answering the right problem might go to analytics, but actually implementing it is where we go into engineering because where I think this is engineering and there's pieces that that can apply to all cross data, but especially in engineering, one of the biggest things we do is stakeholder management. How do we interact with all these other stakeholders? So you have a technical side on one side, you've got business users on another side, you've got this entire pipeline of data you're trying to come up with. So how do you keep stakeholder engagement? And I think to me, that was the biggest thing and the, the the antagonist of this film wasn't like the the dugout manager or the head scout it was seriously um trying to sell your stakeholders on a new way of using data how to change and shift the model of how you're doing things using data and to me that is one of the biggest challenges you have as a data engineer is to convince people that this is not only necessary but this is the future and i loved that this movie was 90, 90% of it was just tr- this guy just trying to convince other people that this would work. Right. And and ultimately, he has to go through all this effort convincing other people, but ultimately to convince the, ge- the general manager. And it's the general manager who ultimately has to be convinced to stay the course on this course of action. And so it's, it's really interesting, like... Um, you know, how much of an organization's culture really is top down. You know, managers think that they can drive success, work harder, do more, achieve for the company. But the reality is that where managers really have control is about culture setting and about creating the kinds of cultures that enable success, not drive it, but but allow it to flourish. And so... You know, I, I think you've got some really great points about stakeholder management here that I, I think we can definitely take away. Yeah, um, and I and I think too that if if Billy Bean had a had a character flaw in the movie is that 
how we traditionally would think of stakeholder management. I mean, granted, he was doing something that was a complete 180. So he would have had resistance. So maybe in a way, it was good that he kind of took the bull by the horns. But uh, the, the hard, nope, here's here's this uh, uh, guy with an ec- economics degree from Yale. He's, your, he's in charge of you now. It was probably not the best way of managing a stakeholder when it comes to this sort of stuff, right? It, it is, but that's the problem. Like, if you're going to adopt a paradigm, you really have to adopt the paradigm. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to adopt the paradigm in these cases, then I'm going to go back and do whatever I feel like for these other four cases. And yeah. so, unfortunately, there is a time when you have to look at a data-driven decision, and you basically have to say, yes, this is going to be the decision we're going to make. So sometimes you do have to grab the bull by the horns and yeah. really get the buy-in for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too that uh the other the other thing this movie spoke to quite well too is that if you do if you're talking about making data-driven decisions, uh it's not a buffet, right? If you're going to make a data-driven decision, um you have to decide what does that decision mean? How does it work and actually implement it and implement it fully, right? Cuz I think one of the things we found in this film too is that when they when the dugout manager, I don't think it was general I forget the character's name, but anyway, he's like, "Okay, well, you have this data-driven team, but I'm going to uh but I'm going to implement in the way that I think it makes sense." And of course it doesn't work. Um right. you kind of you kind of can't actually cherry pick. be worse than the two options like on the table. That's where people oftentimes don't realize is compromises are not really splitting the difference that, you know, the dugout manager had some good ideas and probably would have produced a reasonable performant team. Obviously, Billy Bean had a better model, but their so-called, I mean, it wasn't really a compromise because neither of them agreed to it. But when they split the difference, the team actually performed worse. Exactly. So from a so from an analytics perspective, uh, so there was a lot of so there's a lot of displaying on screen, and I, I love the I love the 2000s aesthetic. So when the movie came out ten years ago, right, uh, it wouldn't have seemed that old, but now twenty years ago, it seems like. Well, we talked about war games. It's also very, it feels very similar in in UI, but um, there's some very interesting analytics techniques that uh, that were shown there. Um, I don't know. Did you pick up on any of the interesting analytics techniques that were being used? I did, and and there's a very important one. So like overall, the level of analytics is what we would describe as kind of classic analytics or advanced analytics. There's no real machine learning here. There's no artificial intelligence. There is just, you know, statistics and correlation and looking at which features ultimately correlate with better performance at some fixed specified period in time. And so it it, it is very much an interesting it's very interesting today that this level of analytics is routinely and widely employed at the hobbyist level you know fantasy sports teams are absolutely everywhere and if you cannot employ the level of analytics employed at these like at this level of this movie your fantasy sport team is going to get itself creamed because people are really doing some really incredible stuff and and this stuff has really widely entered the popular sphere so you know Seriously, out there, don't go spend your money on, on joining a fantasy sports league and bet it all away <laughs> if you aren't uh, got a good handle on the data, really. I, I have seen some impressively complicated models and people who are very, very good at, at this form of analytics. But more than that, there's, there's, a, there's something they're trying to do here, which is really important and cuts across spectrums of data analytics. And that's about disequilibrium. So what Oakland is able to tap into 
is a level of disequilibrium that exists in the marketplace and specifically the player marketplace that certain features of a player are valued too heavily and others not heavily enough. And so that is what allows that gap is what allows their system to be so successful because they can swap expensive overpriced players for less expensive, you know, players who are likely to outperform their statistics. They have identified which features correlate to price and which features actually correlate to performance and are able to identify which features or which players occupy a space. Yeah. And all of data analytics to some degree works to this effect. It's, um, it's most notable in say the stock market and, and stock market prediction where you have long reoccurring streams of behavior and then any little gap, any deviation from equilibrium is what can be ultimately exploited and harvested and ultimately used to make a profit. So what happens, and, and it's actually interesting what happens subsequently to the movie in some ways, is that they go in, they dive in, they carve out their little piece of the equilibrium. And then somebody else says, hey, this stuff works. and Boston goes and do, does it, and Boston does it with a lot more money and a mm-hmm. lot more at a at a in a much it just all in kind of way, and and as a result, they are able to defeat the World Yankees for the World Series. The thing is, now you have you have a problem for the other teams. They've been late to the game. Every you know, other teams have figured it out. Now they have to figure it out too, but. They can't, will not gain or realize any of the rewards from it because the rewards, the easy pickings from this form of analytics mm-hmm. have already been taken up. And so in the end, in the long term, Oakland returns to its bottom of the division status because when all the other teams figure out what Oakland is up to and they all do it, they can't sustain their top of the division performance. Uh, and that's something I was going to bring up, too, that now that all the teams are doing it, uh, doing this analytical method, then all of a sudden becomes an analytical arms race uh, between these other teams. So not to say that the Oakland A's won't come up with another another analytic miracle or something like that. But what I loved about this uh, uh, this strategy, too, is that, yeah, if you have enough money and the will to do these sort of – the will to do this sort of an- analytics, you'll definitely get somewhere – but at the same time, uh, we see analogs to this uh, all over the place in the tech world where you see some new upstart technology comes in uh, using better data, better analytics, and just completely uh, completely uh, gets rid – not get rid of, but definitely diminishes the, um, the competition. So I think, for example, Facebook, uh, for – good or evil as Facebook was, I mean, they're really the first one that had this analytic driven mindset uh, in a way to pump content to you in a way that MySpace, Friendster, and all those others that wound up uh, on the side of the road dead couldn't. 
And because they're an entrenched player now in the market, anyone else coming up, me too, because they really had the analytics thing correct. Now you have all these other people come in. They either get bought by Facebook or you have other new ones like TikTok or something that they're not really going to get rid of Facebook. They just have to do something new in the marketplace. Now Facebook has to go emulate it. So I love how you can take like these lessons learned from baseball and really apply it to so many different things that apply in data. Well, and it's interesting too, because Facebook has a new problem now. Facebook's new problem now is that it is the equilibrium. It's, it has become the equilibrium. And now, where does Facebook innovate? How does Facebook emanate when they are such a dominant player in the market? And in many ways, they've become the problem. They've become the thing which becomes the blockage in the system and prevents the next innovator from coming through. And, and this, you know, we see this effect a lot that like this happened, for example, with taxi cabs and Uber and Lyft. There was a tremendous opportunity here. The, the way taxi cabs operated in this nation was not fulfilling a need that, that really made sense. And so, you know, these companies had a very, very easy time coming in and aggressively dominating and overtaking the market, leaving a lot of economic problems in their wake as a result. But then now that they're here, they are a new equilibrium. And so now they're the ones who are both, and it, it's a push-pull problem that, that happens after a certain point in time. I don't think it'll ever happen in baseball itself because it's just not set up that way, but it can very definitely happen in like the stock market where you are not only trying to beat the equilibrium to make a profit, but you're such a controlling force over the equilibrium that you're just, it's just your efforts to drive more money out of this, like, basically dead mine. Like, this, this <laughs> mine has been, you know, mined out. Uh, now we're a problem. And, and I could very well see, like, Facebook is actually a really good example of this. How do you innovate at Facebook? I mean, like, you know, this whole rebranding, please. <laughs> uh, but his, you know, the problem with Facebook is now is... You, you, you are the new equilibrium and there's not no more room for you to push to get that profit margin anymore. And I think too, and this is where you, you were kind of hinting at with like Uber, for example, too, is being, and I think we're talking about uh, the terms disruptor, uh, a disruptor comes yeah. along. Uh, Oakland A's, uh, this statistic Moneyball was a disruptor. Facebook was a disruptor. Uber's a disruptor. So basically you have disruptors, then they become entrenched in the market until the next disruptor comes along. So who knows what the next innovation is going to be in, uh, in maybe even sports. Like no one thought that statistic, uh, statistics in, uh, statistic-driven models of players uh, in sports would be even be a thing. It wasn't on anyone's radar except for some obscure statistics books written and a couple of uh, desperate people trying to come up with some wins. You know, so I mean, it, it's, it's hard to you predict. Have baseball teams running some of the most complex analytics programs in the world. I mean, Sabermetrics is still a leader in the analytic sciences. They just now work for all the baseball teams. So everyone's paying them and nobody has an advantage. It's a, <laughs> somebody, yeah. Maybe somebody needs to disrupt them. There we go. Here. All right. Let's, uh, let's do it. Come on. Machine learning baseball. Let's do it. Um, you know, so we're, we're, running, we're running out of time. But uh, so I know we normally give things a Turing score. Well, before we do the Turing test, I, I want to talk about the law of unintended consequences. Okay. Because it's like before we go to the realism of the movie, I think there's one last thing here to point out. I used to love baseball. 
I really thought it was very exciting. I grew up on it. It was just the best. And I would love nothing more than going to a baseball game. I find baseball today, particularly Major League Baseball, to be incredibly boring. I find the games mind-numbingly boring. And if I'm going to go watch a baseball game, I'm going to go to a minor league game where at least there's some possibility of something unexpected happening. But a Major League Baseball game is a snooze fest. And the reason is, unfortunately, I think entirely due to the, 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 the end result of this movie, that because they have achieved this new equilibrium, there is no drama, there's no surprise, and I am now bored. Well, you know, and they talked about that in the movie too, like is baseball still romantic? And for the first mm-hmm. people that tried this, and then also the Red Sox uh, winning the World Series two years later, absolutely there was an element of romance. But until the next disruptor comes along, um, it, ha- having a lack of romance around things like uh, – Uber no longer being cool or Facebook, you know, that that's, that's something your, that's something your racist grandpa goes on to find, uh, find interesting facts. You know, it's, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. But the thing is, is that until the next disruptor comes along and maybe that's kind of where we are with professional sports, um, that, I mean, I, I, at least hockey moves with, yeah, but but that's why I like hockey. I mean, at least hockey moves with speed and people get punched a lot. Not not as much in baseball. There you go. I, I, absolutely. I'm I'm all there. And, and yeah, <laughs> hockey or curling. Curling. I love curling. I love curling. Okay, cool. Well, we got a show. <laughs> Data and curling. All right. I think it's time for our touring. Uh, so the touring test. Yes. Uh, what, what are you realism in the in, in this movie? Well, this is. Well, I mean, this is a. I mean, to be honest, I mean. The, a, a, at no point did I – obviously, this is this is based off of – this is a true story. I mean, obviously, there's some elements to it uh, that were – you know, they, they had to embellish a bit, of course. But I 100% believe the resistance of people to change. I 100% believe that you have like this young upstart coming in while relatively young and that they made a big, big show of how much younger Billy Bean was compared to his contemporaries. Um, I, I, I got to give this one a five out of five. I mean, there's really no other option here for me. Absolutely. And if you read the descriptions of the movie and the outside, they say, sure, yeah, they simplified some things. And what was actually a suite of 10 or 20 different statistics got reduced down to three or four that, you know, the audience could understand. But but at the end of the day, yes, this is basically what happened. Yeah. I mean, it's traumatized, of course. You know, we don't know the individual stories, the individual people, but yeah. This is this yeah. is what went down. Yeah, and I, I think too. I mean, they they didn't go like dig into like okay, you were going to use a linear regression model to figure out the correlation between like. They, but then again, I mean, come on, it's it, it's a movie about ba- disruption in baseball, not not about uh, not about graphs. So, all right. Well, I think that's I think that's a good place to leave things off. Uh, anyway, I just want to thank all the listeners. Uh, be uh, stay tuned. We're going to keep releasing new episodes. Uh, so if you're still listening. Uh, well, for uh, Kill All Humans, I'm Tim. And I'm Matthew. Yeah, we'll see you next time. I don't think romance and baseball's dead, but then again, I always found baseball kind of boring, even as a kid when it was still, you know, not, uh, not Moneyball. I mean, yeah. It, like, yeah, you're right. They're, it, the element of exciting to me, the best of the And what they did is they took anything that was exciting and boiled it down to a curve.
we all understand what the problem is. We have to okay, replace. Okay, good. What's the problem? The problem is we have to replace three key players in our nope. lineup. What's the problem? Same as it's ever been. We've got to replace these guys with what we have existing. No, nope. what's the problem, Barry? We need 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve. Are you crying? Are you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. 